to Romans chapter 12. Man, that was a gr- what some testimonies. Amen. Someone needed to hear that. Come on. God is still healing today. Be there Saturday at the healing meeting. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. We're going to open this thing up. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Today I want to talk about a topic that you don't hear many messages about, all right? Um, at least I haven't. Maybe you have. I haven't. But I want to talk about the conscience. The, say conscience. The title of my message today is this, Maintaining a Tender Conscience. All right. So this is a real intriguing study if you look at the Word of God. So we're going to dig in just a little bit here. The Word of God has a lot to say about the conscience. And by the way, every person on the face of this earth has a conscience. Now, a conscience is defined as this, an inner feeling or voice viewed as acting as a guide to rightness or wrongness of one's behavior. All right? Anybody ever have your conscience scream at you when you do something wrong? Amen. A couple of you. All right. The others are lying. Uh, Hopefully that conscience is working right now. Amen? (laughs) Now, here's what I want to show you about the conscience. I've never really seen this before. I've always heard this, that the conscience is the voice of your spirit man. I've always heard that. Who's heard that before? I've always heard that. The Holy Spirit said this, the conscience is the voice of the soul. The soul. Now, here's the connection. Although the, the spirit and the soul are very closely connected, All right. When you die, when you leave this earth, your spirit's going to leave your body and your soul. They're closely connected. How do we know? There's accounts in the word when the rich man died, he remembered things that happened on earth. Come on, somebody. The spirit and soul are very closely connected. All right. This is an intriguing topic about the conscience. I'm telling you. So they are connected, but they're totally different. They're connected. But there's a difference between the two. The spirit man for the born-again Christian is filled with, which is called the Zoe. Anybody hear of the Zoe life? The life of God. Brother Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth E. Hagin has a book about the Zoe. The Zoe life of God. Uh, So the the spirit man for the Christian, a born-again Christian, has the life of God on the inside of it through the Holy Spirit. It is perfect, it's righteous, and it always desires the things of God. Your born-again spirit, did you know that? It always desires the things of God. Now, that, now how, how do you know that, Pastor James? Because of this. That's why the Word of God says this. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Are you following me? The flesh, the fleshly nature is not connected to your born-again spirit. The fleshly nature is connected to your soul. All right? The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So the soul, 
on the other hand, so we know the spirit man, the born again spirit where the Holy Spirit lives, it's perfect. It's righteous. It always, it always desires the things of God. Always. If you have any desire to search God, it's because you're born again spirit man. Amen? But the soul, on the other hand, is not born again. Your soul is not perfect. The soul, mind, will, and emotions, it says this, it must be renewed with the word of God. Anybody read that scripture before? We just did. Amen. So if the soul is not renewed with the word of God, there's only one direction it will go in. The flesh. The fleshly desires. All right. I'm telling you, follow me. You following me, everybody? All right. We're going up this mountain now. All right. The soul... Mind, will, and emotions, it needs constant maintenance. It needs constant upkeep. Upkeep. If you don't have constant maintenance on your soul or upkeep, you're always going to go in the way of the flesh. Amen? So, it's what the Word of God calls renewing the mind. I'm telling you, the conscience is connected to the soul, not your born-again spirit man. So it says that we need to renew our mind and what we read here in Romans 12. We need to renew our mind to be able to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All right? So our conscience, our conscience helps us to find and walk in the will of God. But our soul must be renewed with the word of God to form a holy conscience. It's kind of like this. Your conscience needs to be programmed like a computer. It spits out what you put in. Oh, come on, somebody. That is why we have some Christians who seem to... You ever, you ever run into some Christians where they, 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 you know, they confess Christ, but, but they kind of lack a moral compass, right? That's how Christians can say, well, I'm okay with abortion. I'm okay with homosexual marriage. I'm okay. Are you following me? It's like, uh, where's the moral compass? I mean, it's, this is wrong, right? And they accept other evil junk, you know? I mean, voting, voting someone into government that believes in all that junk, right? And pushes those policies. You know I had to go there. <sighs> it's because of this. This is how it happens. They have failed to educate align, and renew their soul with the Word of God. The conscience must be trained. The conscience, and you'll see in a moment, I'm going to talk about the different conditions that the Word of God talks about, okay? Remember, if it was perfect, your conscience would be perfect all the time. But you'll see in this study, it's not what the Word of God says. So the conscience must be trained. You know, we've been talking a lot about, about you know, being holy, living a holy life, seeking after God, right? And part, part of that puzzle is maintaining a tender conscience. A conscience that's going to go beep, beep, beep when you mess up and say, come on, get it right, get back with God now. This is the perfect will of God. Go this way. Avoid this. That's what your conscience is meant to do. You know this, right? Moral values must be learned. Amen? 
When the Word of God talks about the conscience, it describes, like I said, different levels, different conditions of it. So I want to touch quickly here just on a few of these that the Word of God talks about. And so that's, as you see, as we go down this study here that talks about the different levels in in conditions of the conscience, you will see then why... The conscience is connected to the soul and not your perfect born-again spirit. Are you ready to jump in? All right, let's go. Go to John chapter 8. Number one, the Word of God says that you can have a convicted conscience. A convicted conscience. So let me set this up. The, The scribes and Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus caught in the very act of adultery. You remember that? Go to John chapter 8, 7 through 11. It says, So when they continued asking him, Jesus, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Remember that? Man, there's a lot of stone throwers, isn't there? And again, he stooped down and rode on the ground. I love Jesus. He just, you know, ignores it kind of his own thing. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, you see it? They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the uh, oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. But a lot of people stop there. What does the last part say? Go and sin no more, right? Come on, you know we don't have a license to sin. You do that, know that as Christians, right? That's not grace, amen? Grace is overcoming it. But the people that wanted to stone the woman to death were convicted by their conscience when Jesus said, you know, he was without sin. Go ahead, you throw the first stone. So Jesus' words obviously convict their heart, convict their conscience. It opened their eyes to their own faults, to their own sins. And they said, wow, Jesus just had a way with it. You got to love Jesus. Amen. But here's what you got to know. Conviction is a wonderful thing. Conviction is a great thing. It lets us know when we're wrong. You know, when the conscience convicts you of sin, obey it and repent immediately. Don't let it hang out. Don't let it hang out. Amen? And you'll see why in a moment. Number two, the Word of God says that you can have a good conscience. Say good conscience. This is an intriguing study. Acts 23, verse 1. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council said, Men and brethren, I I have lived in all, there it is, good conscience before God until this day. So Paul's saying, up to this point, I have a good conscience. And then you could go on to say, well, he's going to maintain it. But the, the Apostle Paul, he lived in a good conscience before God. So how many of you know the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit used the Apostle Paul to pre or to write much of the New Testament? You know that, right? So Paul knew a lot of the moral laws of God from the Old Testament. Uh, He was a man of prayer, and he pressed into his relationship with God after getting born again. Amen? So we know Paul lived a holy life, did he not? 
He was obedient to his conscience. And it was a good conscience. Amen? That is why he had a good conscience. His soul, his thought life. Here's why. His thought life was constantly filled with the things of God. His, say, thought life. I'm always going to go back to the thought life. The thought life is part of your soul. Amen? So I'm telling you, this, the conscience is connected to the soul. All right? So, um, so we know Paul lived a life of obedience. He had a clear conscience. And a clear conscience is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Don't you love it when you have that clear conscience before God? So many people, you know, there's people, you'll see in a minute what I'm talking about, but so many people are condemning themselves. You'll see here in a minute where I'm going with this. But the next point about the conscience, the Word of God says that you can have a pure conscience. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. We have to maintain a tender conscience. If you're going to live a life for God, if you're going to have maintain that close walk with Him, we need to maintain a tender conscience. Amen? 1 Timothy 3, 8 and 9. And it says this, Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith. Here it is. Underline it. With a pure conscience. Now, this passage, this passage is referring to deacons in the body of Christ. But of course it applies to every Christian as well. Amen? Holding the mystery of the faith, say the faith, in a pure, with a pure conscience. The faith is referring to the Christian doctrine, everything that's contained in the Word of God, how we are to live our lives, amen? That is the faith, amen? So everything contained in the Word of God. It's talking about keeping the Word of God fresh in your heart so you will live a life that aligns with the faith. The Christian life. Amen? Now, listen to this. I like this. The definition of the word pure, say pure, means this. To be free from any contamination, I like this one, or unnecessary elements. (laughs) You think we carry some junk in our soul that are unnecessary in our thought life? Amen? To be free from contamination or unnecessary elements. Man, that you, get, you meditate on that for a while. But a pure conscience is one that is free from contamination of this evil world system. Or free, come on, the Holy Spirit, show me this. Or free from unnecessary elements of dead religion. Things that have nothing to do with your walk with God. It's tradition of man and it hinders you. Jesus said the tradition of man will hinder the power of God in your life. And it is unnecessary. Get rid of that unnecessary stuff. Amen? So we can have that pure conscience. That's how we're going to walk in the power of God. Get rid of the junk. Lay aside every weight. Come on. And every sin which so easily besets you, as the book of Hebrews says. Amen? So we need to get free from that. A mind that is renewed with the pure Word of God. Next. Oh, here's one right here. 
the Word of God says that you can have a weak conscience. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Say weak. Yep, it does say that. You'll see what I mean in a moment here. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. However, there is not in, in everyone that knowledge. knowledge. For some with con- consciousness of the idol until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol. And their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food does not commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we, we the better, nor if we don't eat are we the worse. He's talking about getting rid of unnecessary thoughts in your thought life. That's hindering your walk with God. Verse 9. But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin, sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will, never eat me- I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Now, a weak conscience is one that is out of step of the Word of God. You notice it says that someone who eats food offered to an idol. It says, Paul says, you know what? Food is nothing. It doesn't mean anything in your relationship with God. If something's if something's given to an idol, guess what? You bless it and you can go ahead and eat it, right? But he said, a person with a weak conscience will say, you can't eat that. Don't eat that. Are you following me? Here's what a weak conscience is. A weak conscience is one that is weak concerning the word of God. And how do we know that? Because it says weak in understanding Understanding truth and knowledge. So a weak conscience is one that is weak about the truth of the Word of God. That's why a person who has a weak conscience is constantly condemning themselves. Because they're picking up things, they're condemning themselves, and you don't need to. Right? How many here, if someone brought food in, I don't know from a Mormon church or whatever, something that was offered, you know, in a false religion. How many people would say, oh, we better not eat that? Paul says, stop it. This has nothing to do with your relationship with God. Bless it. Thank God for it. Need it. But someone with a weak conscience. Now, it does say, it does say that our, our liberty don't make another brother stumble. You know what that means? That means teach people the Word of God. Be quick to teach people the Word of God. To strengthen their faith. Strengthen their their faith and their understanding of the truth in the Word of God. Amen? When there's a lack of knowledge of the Word of God, there's an opening for the devil. Here's why a person with a weak conscience is... Constantly feeling guilt, condemnation, shame. Because that weak conscience, that 
lack of understanding of the word of God, ready, is an opening for the devil to come in. That's why. That's called a weak conscience. It all has to do with are you strong on the word or you're not getting much of the word in you. Amen? So, we don't want a weak conscience. We want it strong. Amen? Next, the Word of God says that you can have a defiled conscience. Now, this let me just tell you right now, this is proof. This is proof right here that the conscience is not connected to your perfect born-again spirit because your spirit man cannot be defiled. The Holy Spirit lives in your spirit, man. You've been regenerated. You've been made a new creature in Christ in your spirit, man. Not the soul. The soul is like your hair. If you do nothing with it, it's going to turn into a mess. You following me? The spirit, man, is like my bald head. It's always perfect. (laughs) Amen? So... The Word of God says that you can have a defiled conscience. Go to Titus chapter 1. That wasn't even in my notes either. Thanks, Holy Ghost. All right. Here we go. Titus 1, 15 through 16. Here we go. Remember, you can have a defiled conscience now. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind soul, and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Now here you go. Ready for this? The definition of the word defiled means this, to be marred, spoiled, or corrupt from the flesh, an evil world system. This is talking about a conscience that is being marred and spoiled, that is not filling their soul with the Word of God, with the pure Word of God. Amen? To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Notice, but even their mind and conscience are defiled. Notice it says, defiled and unbelieving. It separated it, didn't it? You see that? It says it's defiled, or conscience is defiled and unbelieving. See, you can be defiled because you're, like I said, you're not renewing your mind with the Word, and you allow all the junk, or you don't believe in parts of the Word of God, and you don't apply parts of the Word in your life. See, that's the problem with having a salad bar. Christianity. Oh, I like this. No, I don't want that. I'll take this. I'll take, I don't want this. That's why you see some Christians that are strong in some things, horrible in the other things. We got to receive it all into our life. Amen? Now, so a great example, like I said, is a person who, who confesses to be a Christian, but, you know, they don't seem to have a moral compass. Now, why is that? It's because they're not renewing their mind with the Word in that area. Amen? Or they're putting tradition above. Mom and Dad always voted Democrat. We always voted Democrat. 
I don't care what mommy and daddy did. Guess what? Mommy and daddy were wrong accepting abortion and all this stuff. Amen. Come on, somebody. Your Lord is not your mom and dad. Your Lord is Jesus Christ if you're a Christian. Amen. So, so you know, again, that's, that's more proof that the conscience is separate from our born-again spirit. It's impossible for our born-again spirit man to be defiled. All right? But it's possible for our soul to be defiled. All right? So, um, to the pure, all things are pure. That means if you're pure in heart, you're pure in, consci- in your conscience, your actions and words will prove it. And if it's defiled, your words and actions will prove that as well. Amen? So, um, I, notice it says they will profess to know God. I want you to notice something. This is not talking about the unbeliever. You do know that, right? This is not a warning to an unbeliever. An unbeliever is a child of the devil. Amen? They just are. They, they have no part of Christ. This is a warning. Notice these individuals profess that they know God. An unbeliever won't profess that, right? They don't want anything to do with God. This is someone who thinks they're okay, but their soul and their conscience is totally defiled. It means that they're totally out of step with the Word of God. Amen? They're out of step with the heartbeat of God. And the heartbeat of God can only be found in the Word of God. Now, think about this. The only way for us to really know God is through His Word. You understand that, don't you? You ever have someone who say, "Ah, I don't read the Word. I know God. No, what they're doing is making an own, their own God that suits their own beliefs. They're accepting another Jesus, as Galatians says. Are you following me? So, next, and I'm almost done here. The Word of God says that you can have a cleansed or a purged conscience. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. You getting anything out of this? All the t- I have always heard, oh, yeah, yeah the, the conscience is the voice of your spirit, man. Well, if that's true, how can it be defiled then? Come on, somebody. It don't even make sense. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. But Christ came as a high priest of good things to come. I like that, don't you? As good things to come. With the greater and the more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Here we go. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean unclean, sanctifies Uh, for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, here it is, cleanse your conscience from dead works. You know what a dead work is, right? It means you're doing something to get favor with God, but it's not getting you any favor with God because your heart's far from Him. If you're doing a work for God and your heart's far from Him, that's called a dead work. And that's why the Word of God... Oh, come on, somebody. That's where the definition of pure, getting rid of unnecessary things 
connecting with him on the heart level. Amen? God is always looking at our heart. It's got to come from the heart. Amen? This passage tells us that our conscience can be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Literally, that's talking about by faith in his blood. Say faith in his blood. The King James Version. I like this. I'll be honest with you. I use the new King James here. But when I'm studying at home or whatever and just reading the word, I like the King James. You know, my mind automatically switches the these and thous to you. And, uh, and so, I mean, it's not a problem, right? Some people don't like it, but I, I love the King James. But the King James Version, it uses the word purge instead of cleanse. And I like that. Listen to this. The definition of the word purge is to rid of an unwanted quality, condition, or feeling. Our conscience, come on, our conscience can be transformed, either good or bad. Are you following me? Talking about the conscience today. We need to maintain a tender conscience. Now, if a conscience can be cleansed or purged, it means then, as we've seen earlier, it can become dirty. It can become congested with the wrong stuff apart from the Word of God. Amen? Our, again, this is just, i got to say it, it's more proof that our conscience is connected to the soul and not your born-again spirit man. Because your spirit man doesn't need cleansing. The Holy Ghost lives in there. Are you following me? The washing of the... Uh, oh, this is powerful. The washing of the water of the Word and faith in the blood of Jesus will cleanse our soul, mind, will, and emotions, and our conscience. Now, here's the cool part having to do with this. You ready for this? Say cleanse. The Holy Spirit is referred to as living water. Mm, you know where I'm going with this. Living water means this, moving water. It's moving. That's why, you, you know, the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea, it doesn't move and it just fills up with junk because nothing, it's not moving. It's not cleansing the junk out of there. Come on, you know where I'm going. If you are wanting to cleanse yourself of dirt, Whatever, or whatever, your physical body, having something that you want off, you place yourself in living or moving water like a shower to cause that filth to fall off of your body. Amen? Here we go. In the same way, when we position ourselves in an atmosphere of the presence of the Holy Spirit, it will cleanse our soul and conscience. There's something supernatural about coming... Come on, opening yourself up and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit that He will give you a deeper revelation of the finished work of Jesus and He will always lead you in the path of righteousness. Amen? This will, this will redirect. Say redirect. This will redirect. This will correct your conscience in the proper direction. I was a pilot. A GPS. We use GPS everywhere we go, from California to North Carolina. So there's a GPS in the jets. Guess what? You know what I found out? The GPS doesn't know where I'm going unless I program it. Your conscience needs to be programmed to show it where you, it, you want it to take you. I could sit on the ramp all day long and wait for that thing. I'll be waiting till the day I die until I program the airport identifier and where I'm going. 
My question is, where are you going? We need to redirect. We need to program our conscience and keep it tender in line with the Word of God. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit, when, we, when we're in this place, when we're, when we're in His presence, that praise and worship was amazing today. Amen? When we're in, there's something supernatural, supernatural about the corporate anointing. When we're together worshiping in His presence, you can, I sensed His presence. I mean, you can feel Him. You can literally feel Him. Amen? And, and His presence has a way to calibrate your moral compass. Amen? But if you resist the leading of the Holy Spirit and you keep yourself away from the corporate anointing, are you ready for this? It will lead to my next and my last point, and we're done. The Word of God says that you can have a seared conscience. If you're going to keep yourself away from the corporate anointing, you're going to keep, you're not going to enter into the presence of God. You're not going to praise and worship Him. You're going to be a bump on a log. And you're not allowing your heart to connect with Him. There's only one direction that your conscience will go. And it's right here. It will be seared. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. That's why quite often, have you seen people who, when they, they really press in and, and they press in, what usually happens? What usually happens when someone, you can really feel there's a heart connection between, between them and the Holy Spirit. And, and they start pressing in. What starts to happen? Their eyes start to well up. Tears sometimes. Not always. I'm not saying you always have to cry. But they're moved by the presence of God. They're moved by the presence of God. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, and we'll be out of here. Wow. We packed a lot into this service today. Eight songs. Amen. A special. Al's testimony, which was amazing. Amen. All right. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Let's take a look at. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. Let me just point that out. To depart from something, you once had to be in it. If I said I departed from Detroit Metro Airport, it means I was at Detroit Metro Airport. Right? <laughs> Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. Remember the person who says, no, I'm not going to eat that. Okay, that's a weak conscience, remember? Be, uh, be created and received with thanksgiving. By those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is, uh, it is sanctified, set apart, made holy by the word of God and prayer. Now, this, uh, the, you, now follow me on this last point. The definition of the word seared is this. You ready for this? We're going to drop it here is to burn to dryness and hardness of the surface or calloused. If you avoid the Word of God, if you avoid taking time in your personal life to get into the presence of God, if you avoid coming in to a corporate anointing, 
your conscience will be burned to dryness and hardness of the surface, and it become calloused. See, our conscience as a Christian, it should be tender, and it should be sensitive to the Word of God, to the presence of God, to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I want you to notice, let me just touch on it here, the burn to dryness part of the definition. Our conscience becomes dry when we neglect all those things. When we neglect those things, listen to this, when we neglect the Word of God, when we reject getting into the presence of God, the Holy Spirit showed me this very clearly. You ready? It creates a vacuum that pulls in the junk of the world and the devil. If you're going to keep God out, it creates a vacuum and it sucks in because something's going to get in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Something is going to get in there. Something is always going to get in there. So your, your eye gates stuff is, uh, is always coming in your eye gates, what you're looking at, and your ear gates. It's always going to be filled with something. And God says, if you don't fill it with me, it creates a vacuum for the junk of the world and the enemy. It causes our soul, our conscience to become dry. That's why you know how like when you say, I feel real dry spiritually. You ever have that? Right? That's what this is talking about. If you feel dry spiritually, I guarantee you it's affecting your conscience. When, when that starts to happen, that's when a Christian's conscience becomes defiled with the stuff that's against the Word of God. Because the, the things when you were close to the Lord before... The things that you thought you would never get into. The, the things you thought you would never touch again. Like when you were uh, an unbeliever. When you start to get dry, all of a sudden you get pulled back to the junk of the world. You ever have that? Why? Because it creates a vacuum for the flesh. And now your conscience, now you, you, you cross that barrier. See, the conscience is like a, a wall, a barrier. And it says, don't go there. And then you climb over that barrier and it becomes easier to sin again. It becomes easier to sin. That's where it becomes seared. It, it, it becomes, here we go, ineffective in your life. It's like, like I said before, it's like, remember McDonald's? I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but every time you know, Marianne would drink coffee from McDonald's, she'd like, man, that's hot. Huh, the first drink, I mean, it's just burning. It's on fire. And she keeps going. She keeps going. Oh, oh, man, that hurts. Ah, oh, oh, oh. And, she, and, then, and then she keeps doing it, and all of a sudden, oh, that's not that bad. You want to know why? The tongue became seared. The tongue became used to it. The more barriers you are willing to cross, your conscience becomes seared, and it becomes easier to sin. That's why this topic is so important. Because I'll tell you right now, it's impossible to live a holy life for God if you're going to allow these things to have a, if you're going to have a seared conscience. We need to have a tender conscience. Amen? Amen. Your conscience becomes compromised. Say compromised. The flesh, the devil, the world has now become Lord over your soul. Oh, come on, somebody. It's getting quiet in here. (laughs) See, 
This is what happens when a person crosses the barrier and they sin. It becomes easier. Your conscience gets seared, just like that tongue starts to get a little bit tougher. Those individuals have given place to the wrong kingdom in the spirit realm. Come on, somebody. Which restricts the Holy Spirit from influencing them. And it dams up, here it is, the living water from watering your soul, from watering your conscience to keep it tender. Yeah, right? I mean, we grew carrots in Emily City for years, my, my dad, and they, they had a farm. When the ground got real dry, man, it was hard for things to grow. So we had to get irrigation pipe. If it wasn't raining, we had to get, ir- we had to get water on it to make it soft, to make it tender, where things can start to grow. So if you have that dryness, if you have that seared conscience, nothing's going to grow spiritually in your life. And that's why people, well, people who usually have a seared conscience, they don't care because it's become easier for them to sin. You following me? Guess what usually starts to turn someone, though? If someone talks to them about the Lord, or they end up coming to a church service where the presence of God is amazing, and they start to get pricked in the heart because the Holy Spirit put a little water of his presence on there dry soul, on their dry conscience. Amen? Mm. See, a seared conscience will cause a backslidden Christian to call good evil and evil good. Are you following me? Be careful. Don't get to that point in your life. This is your warning from the Holy Spirit today. Amen? So to get back to that tender and pure conscience, that good conscience... You need to daily get into the Word of God in your personal life. Amen? Be quick to obey the Word of God. Be quick to obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. If He shows you there's an area of your life that you sin, be quick to confess it and repent. Turn from it. It's that simple. Amen? And as you continue to do that, you'll notice the walls come back up. Now, if you have a temptation to do something, now it becomes a becomes a little easier to resist. Amen? Position yourself in a good Bible-believing church. Amen? That will feed you the Word of God and, and allow the Holy Spirit to move in services. It's so important. So church, in these last days especially, we need to maintain a good, a pure, and a tender conscience that will alert us, that will call us out when we need to change. Amen? We need that alert system. Just like that alarm in the church that we have, we need that thing to function when there's a a thief or a robber out there, right? And we have a thief and a robber who tries to come against our life. And that conscience is the one who says, no, don't open the door to the enemy. Close that door, avoid that trap. That's what the conscience is, amen? Let's stand up in this place, hallelujah. Let's be a people that protects our thought life and maintains a clear, tender, good, pure conscience. Now, maybe there's someone in here. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You're the child of the devil I was talking about. Only Jesus Christ is the open door. Amen? Today is the day of salvation. Don't leave here without Him, just like Al talked about. Listen, there could be someone in this place 
Who knows? You're on death's door. Oh, no, but you know what? I'm young. I got lots of life ahead of me. That's what a lot of people say. And then death comes knocking. Don't leave here without making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you, I want you to come to this altar and I want to pray with you to make Him Lord of your life. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. You know, you... you, you are the one that was backslidden. You are the one that has that seared, that dried conscience. You, the, the, your conscience tried to put barriers up, but you pushed them down. And now it becomes easy to sin. Now that's when sin becomes a lifestyle. And that is when the Bible says you depart from the faith. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord today, make a brand new start, you want to reset reprogram that conscience, come up here. And I want to pray with you to rededicate your life. Now, if you're in this place and you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, listen, the Holy Spirit baptism, it's for being a witness for Jesus Christ. But my goodness, there are powerful personal advantages to receiving power, amen, from the Holy Ghost. So if you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism, come to this altar. I want to pray with you to do that. Maybe you're in this place, you need a healing, you need prayer for yourself, for a family member, just anything else. We'll stay here as long as you need. I want you to come to this altar. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, uh, Tuesday night, we have our prayer call. Uh, Go to livingwaterschapel.org or come see one of us and we'll give you the phone number. Wednesday night, prayer here. Let me just tell you something. What we experience today with the presence of God, this isn't because we're good. Come on. It's because we're pressing into God and God is responding. He is responding to us, praying and and inviting him into our life. This is it. So listen, I'm telling you right now, if you're not getting on that prayer call, if you're not coming to prayer, you might want to just say, uh, thank you, Lord, for those who are obedient to pray for this ministry, because that's the fruit of what you're feeling here. Come on, somebody. We need more prayer warriors in this church. Amen. All right, visitors, make sure you fill out that visitor's card. Thank you for coming today. I hope you enjoyed what we call the revival experience. Amen. All right, if you need me, get one of my cards, call me. You know where to find me. And don't forget the healing and deliverance service. We're going to kick the devil's butt this Saturday right here at 7 p.m. Have a great week, everyone. God bless you all. Hallelujah.